Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Burrow bouncing in the pocket. His throw caught at the 10-yard line. He's nice, nice. straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a TD. Hello and welcome to episode 136 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. It's great to be back. We've had a week off, Nathan and I, but we're back. And what an episode uh, this should be. Um, In a little while, we'll have uh, Elizabeth Blackburn coming up. Um, We can't wait to talk to her. Uh, Everything's been focused, quite rightly, on the um, local fans of Cincinnati and how to fill that stadium again and Elizabeth has really lit a fire uh, under the fans and uh, uh, people are super excited uh, because of her amazing initiatives and her team's hard work in upgrading everything it seems from top to bottom in the club but we're going to be talking to her from a little bit of a different perspective because obviously we're not local fans we're quite the opposite Uh, so Elizabeth's coming up in a little while but joining me now is Nathan Palmer Nathan are you there? I am there indeed, son. And this time you can hear me properly. I'm not calling in off a crackly signal from Croatia. So hopefully you can hear me loud and clear this time around. So basically, as soon as Elizabeth Blackburn comes on, you've got a microphone, you're in a nice soundproof room, you're on your best behaviour now, aren't you? I've got, my, got my bow tie on, son. Have you now? I'll look forward to seeing that later. Um, well, uh, we've both been away, but uh, it's all been happening in Cincinnati. Training camp has been continuing apace. And lots of different things coming out of camp. Um, where do you want to kick off, Nathan? There's lots to talk about, isn't there? We've got to talk about Joe Boy, haven't we, to kick things off, son? I know, obviously, everyone wanted him to come back thick and fast and running around and throwing 90-yard touchdowns to Jamar Chase, but it's not quite been that, um, quite been what we hoped for, is it? No, and, of course, you know, us being thousands of miles away, it's very difficult to kind of get a handle on what's what's actually been happening but uh, by all accounts the offense has been stuttering it's lacked rhythm uh joe boy himself has lacked rhythm and perhaps a little bit of confidence i think that's fair to say he's admitted that um tyler boyd came out and says his joe's knee is looking a bit iffy not particularly what you want tyler really at this stage i don't think but um offensive line regularly getting beaten receivers more worryingly failing to get separation that's what we've been hearing um, are you worried, Nathan? Generally, but in, in but in this case specifically, I, I am a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of change on that line. There's been a lot of change on that line every year, and you have got someone like Jackson Carmen who we took in the second round, who's been littered with penalties, and the depth charts just come out, and he's sat third on it at the moment, which is not ideal. And I think his name for some re- sometimes for good good things, but a lot of the times for negative things, has been thrown around quite a lot in some of the stuff I've been reading from journalists. And, yeah, I mean, everyone, I think, thought that it might be quite the opposite. You know, you've got these fabulous five, as Joe Mixon's uh, coined it as. (laughs) I know, Yeah, with himself, Burrow, Jamar Chase, um, and obviously Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. But it's not really been fabulous, has it? It's been a bit, as you said, they had that good day, I think it was on Saturday, there was a mm. long 75-yard drive, a fourth down conversion that ended with Mixon powering in from a yard out, which was quite positive and good to see. But there's been a lot of, you know, would-be sacks, um, obviously Burrow struggling to sort of find his rhythm, as you mentioned, a bit of a lack of separation there. And you you get it with Joe Boy. I mean, he's he's coming off a big knee injury, and I know everyone's been sort of clapping their hands that he's been at training camp at all, and he's been full go for a while now. But mentally, that's going to take some time, and physically. I mean, I'm sure he's not 100% by any means. I'm sure he's sort of working through at maybe 80%, 90%, trying to build that confidence back up. But I think the worry is, if there is any worry, is that it's the preseason this week. You've got about three or four weeks to go until... Um, the regular season, there's you know Minnesota aren't going to give him any leeway. They're not going to give him a chance to sort of set himself and get in a rhythm. You know we need to start start hard and fast. And 
it worries me that we're not going to start hard and fast. I mean, I don't want to jump to the conclusions, you know, but we can't afford Joe Burrow to get hot in week eight or nine when we're two and six, you know. Mm. So that's what slightly concerns me, I would say. Yeah, I'm not I'm not quite as worried, I have to say. It's still early doors, I think. And anybody who expected Joe Burrow to come back and just start firing off all cylinders, I think I think that was unrealistic expectation, shall we put. Yeah, um, I agree. Um but yeah, I mean certainly, you know, the strength of this team, if you were to kind of write down the position group, the strength the one position group that's that's really kind of catches your eye. It's the wide receivers, and by all accounts, they've been dropping passes, and they've been struggling to to get some separation, and uh, that's that's a slight worry. But again, you know, Tyler Boyd's done it for a number of years. He knows the score. Auden Tate's been catching everything by the sounds of things. Uh, Jamar Chase, you know, again, sort of rookie moments. But this is what camp is all about, and I think Zach Taylor said yep. it last week there in installation mode still they're trying out new plays and kind of installing those things on uh, into the into the playbook and there are going to be some mistakes there are going to be some spotters um but isn't it interesting i mean what if and i don't want to tempt fate what if um you know last season we all thought that the defensive line was going to be a position of strength and look what happened to the defensive line what happened if it's like the wide receivers this year that would be slightly disappointing wouldn't it well, it will indeed. And I don't think anyone predicted those guys to struggle. That was the real area of the team that we thought would be a strength. And it probably will be. You know, mm. I think when it gets down to game time and those guys get the pads on and the lights are on, the cameras are on, I'm sure it'll be a different story. Um, there's obviously a lot of talent there. It will take a while to blend it together. But on the counter argument to that, to sort of jump outside of the negativity and the sort of, you know, the concern there, the one unit that directly impacts the wide receivers that's looked very strong has been the secondary. And you look across that unit with Mike Hilton, Trey Waynes, Chidobia Woozy, if I pronounced that correctly, um, Von Bell and obviously Jesse Bates there's some really talented geezers there um, and I know Burrow's been sort of saying that these guys have been fantastic pickups and a lot of the chatter coming out of camp has been that that's been a real area of strength for us so that's very exciting because even behind the starters you know you look at people like an under you know a name that doesn't get mentioned much that was brought in like an Eli Apple mm. Dar- you know obviously we've got Darius Phillips back there and some other guys Winston Rose your man been playing quite well I've heard son so you know, there's a, it's a pretty good strength in depth there as well. Like Ricardo, it's Ricardo Allen that we brought in from the Falcons and Brandon Wilson, all sorts of players there in sort of backup roles that are still, you know, got a decent amount of experience. And all in all, that unit looks a bit stronger than perhaps I think a, a few people thought it would be. So that's definitely a positive that I've seen coming out of camp. Yeah, and we spoke about this, isn't it? We were a bit worried about the secondary because there were so many new players that we were worried that they weren't going to mesh together and gel together as quickly. But um, it seems that they have, just being better players than we've had before in depth. Yeah. Boyle accounts, Trey Waynes has been great. As you say, uh, Chidobe Awuja has looked good. You know, Eli Apple has, you know, Darius Phillips, all those guys are playing well and... and the receivers are finding it tough, which is kind of good in a way. It's good for confidence on the defensive side of the ball, but also good to test good receivers early doors as well. 100%. And I think there's been a few incidences in camp where obviously they're not going to hit Joe Burrow, but there's been quite a few instances where Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson have been getting to the quarterback and there would have been sacks in situations um, you know, where there was full, full contact. And a few instances as well where cornerbacks coming off the blitzes and stuff like that, the Luana Rumu is sort of firing in there. So all in all, you've got to be excited about the defence. And ultimately when you know, you've got attack versus defence or offence versus defence, One's always going to come out on top, you know, and it maybe always makes the other one not look quite as good. So as much as there's a bit of worry there for the offence, um, full credit where it's deserved to the defence. Yeah, another uh, position group that's getting praise is the linebackers. Uh, we mentioned Hendrickson is playing well on the defensive line. DJ Reader, Tyler Shelvin's playing well. Josh Tupu apparently is, is kind of back and playing very well again. Hubbard is, you know, what you're going to get from Hubbard. But the linebackers, Logan Wilson, our boy Marcus Bailey, who we had on the podcast last year after, you know, he didn't have a a, a pre-season last year, coming off an injury, found it hard to break into that 53-man roster. Um, 
didn't play so much, but uh, he's feeling the benefits of a full pre-season, full health. And Boyle accounts, he's he's proving, you know, I remember Jay Morrison sort of saying he could be a real steal and um, the seventh round draft pick. And if, if, if the gamble pays off, he could be a real player. And by all accounts, he's playing extremely well in in training camp. So, you know, that the much maligned linebacker group who we thought might struggle is already showing signs of some good play. And of course, again, only training camp, but it's certainly encouraging to see those guys step up this year. I think Logan Wilson is going to have a big year, son. He's the one guy. He's the one guy on either side of the ball that I'm most excited about this year. I just think oh, he wow. flashed last year. He looked very, very good. I remember we had C. Joe's armor on the podcast, and he said that Logan Wilson was a real player that stood out to him last year. And mm. I think that's very, very high praise from a veteran on on the team. So I'm expecting big things from Logan Wilson. That unit doesn't look particularly strong in depth but maybe that speaks to the Bengals confidence that they've got in him to take a step forward so he's someone I think keep an eye on for this year wearing that number 55 in tribute to old Vontez Perfect yeah hopefully he's not going to kind of chew people's ankles like uh, old <laughs> Vontez did but uh, yeah absolutely I Vontez Perfect I really do I, I used to love him on the Bengals oh, I don't know I think whoever I don't it depends who you talk to. Some people miss him, some people don't, you know. And uh... He'd have been a cracking linebacker if you'd... If he, he was almost like a bit too late, wasn't he, to the table. Like if he'd been around in the 90s where it was a bit more... God, if he was around know, in the but... 60s, he would have been an absolute <laughs> superstar, you know what I mean? Uh, he would have been called, you know, people would have been saying to him that he was too clean a player, um, I think, in the 60s. But, um, but yeah, that's all, that's all kind of... Um, reasons for optimism i think uh, there's just, just the offense got to click into gear now and i think you know joe joe boy came out last week and said yes he's frustrated it's time he re- that you know that everyone stepped up and of course he had a day off and then um had a decent practice in front of the fans on saturday i think so um and of course you know he's going to be kept out of the first preseason game against the buccaneers this saturday night um, which I think is a good decision. It's good to kind of, he needs probably another couple of weeks to kind of really get his confidence back and his rhythm back. And um, I've got no problem with that. Have you? No, no. I, I'd love to see him have a drive, to be honest. I would I would probably put him out there. I, I think that obviously you don't want to risk it. You know, you, the last thing we want is him to be taking shots. And I think if you were to put him out there, you'd, You'd run the ball. You'd try and make sure that if he was going to pass it, it was going to be a quick drop back, get the ball out straight away. He's not going to be hanging around, trying to sort of run around and make plays or anything silly like that. But I think you've just got to build his confidence up and really get him in there. And obviously the coaches know this. And Joe Burrows, by all accounts, one of the strongest people out there. Everyone talks about his work ethic and his mental toughness. So I'm sure he's ready to go. But I think you can wrap him up in cotton wool all you want. When we play the Vikings in a month, it's going to be no holds bars. And I Absolutely, think yeah. They've got to probably play him in at least the third or fourth game. Typically, I don't think you see many teams play the starters in week three. I'm oh, sorry, there's only uh, three weeks of the preseason, isn't there? But certainly yeah. in the third week you'd hope that he gets a couple of drives just to try and get in sort of get up to game speed obviously it's been a long time now since he's played in an NFL game you know mm. coming up on sort of 10 11 months so I hope we see a bit more for him I mean do you know what I would do honestly in camp I would say to him just and this is just a completely random idea son that I'm sure will get shot <laughs> down on. I would say to Burrow I'd say look obviously no one's going to hit you in camp but you're going to get hit once in camp and it's not going to be a brutal hit. And you just say to someone like Sam Hubbard, you'd be like one play when you're sort of offense versus defense, we're going to get you to hit Joe Burrow. And it's not going to be a big hit. It's going to be controlled. You're going to hit him like, you know, nicely on the waist, make sure he goes down properly. But so that in his mind, he's going to take one hit and you tell Burrow, he's look, one person's going to hit you in camp. You're not going to know when, but they're going to hit you just so that he's, got that in his mind that at one point he might get a shot from someone just to keep him honest because otherwise I'm not saying you know he's not in the right frame of mind at the moment but when you know you're not going to get hit you can run around you can maybe you know it's not putting the 
same level of pressure on you. But I think you just, you know, one controlled hit from someone, you know, a top team player and a friend of his, like Sam Hubbard, at least it gives him, you know, something. And it's in his mind that I could get knocked to the ground here. Because you can't tell me that's not going to be like a monkey off his back when he does get here. It's going to be in his mind. It's going to be, you know, what if one of these geezers from, you know, big defensive tackle from the Vikings falls flat on him and dump tackles him on the second game and Mike misses his assignment, you know, he's, that's going to be in his head. And I mm. think you almost need to just... I don't know. I, I, to would, I, I don't think that's a bad idea. It's a bit of a gamble, but it's not a bad idea. I, I would further that and say they should get me and you over to do that <laughs> because we would be guaranteed to to lay on him the weakest hit possible. And like, uh, like, We'd drag in his ankles, trying to pull him to the ground. Basically, they should just have me... So basically, should be on a dummy offensive line with you and me rushing off the edges. And then him just trying to escape us and then you know and we'd probably get some sort of glove on him i think but you know he's probably stronger than both of us put together and i think that would be a oh, nice yeah. gentle introduction to the pass rush what about that do you reckon if you burrow didn't see you right yeah and you're coming off the edge he had yeah. no idea you were coming off the edge yeah. right and he's looking downfield for Alden tate you know yeah. Alden yeah. tate streaking downfield yeah if you were unblocked fully in pads, running at Burrow, he didn't see you. Do you think you could knock him to the ground? Yes, I think so. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you've seen... You reckon? Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. If he didn't see me coming, if I've just beaten Jonah Williams, highly unlikely, let's face it, on the outside, on the blind side, he's looking at Jamar Chase, and I'm coming round there. I've got the animal instinct. I've got taste blood in my mouth. And Why then, do that? And then I come up behind him. I'm not going to tap him on the shoulder and say, oh, excuse me, Joe, I'm just about to hit you, sir. I'm going to go full power into his back. I want to fumble. I want to take I want to take him down, strip Nathan. Strip the ball out there. No, yeah, no, I want to yeah. strip sack right there. Um, yeah, I think I think anybody could really. If they, if they didn't know, if he didn't know that you were coming and you were coming at speed, and when I say speed, our speed, which is normally like about a walking pace for most NFL players, I don't know. I think I think there's a good chance uh, we'd, uh, you know, put one on him, as they say. You know, oh, I like my chance. I don't know. I don't know, son. He, he's bigger than you think. And he's, <laughs> he's going to have legs like tree tr I mean, you think, like, if we ran at Ben Roethlisberger, no way. That he, even if he didn't see us coming, I just don't. I think he'd just sort of, he'd feel you and he'd just sort of roll off to one side and you go flat on your ass. Well, if Burrow's obviously a bit smaller, but I still don't think you'd knock him down. Well, if worse comes to worse, I think I'd just jump on his back like a child <laughs> and basically he can kind of just give me a piggyback while he completes a 60-yard pass down the, down the field. Uh, lots of other things to talk about, um, not least the depth chart. Michael Jordan has been listed as right guard. And uh, starting right guard, that is, along with Quinton Spain. And people are losing their marbles, Nathan. I mean, I'm not too worried. It's like just an initial, you know, uh, depth chart. It's interesting, which must be a testament to uh, Michael's performance in uh, in camp. I know that Deontay Smith is also listed as a guard and second string to Quinton Spain, which is Perhaps more interesting to me that, uh, you know, he's drafted as a tackle, but they put him inside to guard. And uh, apparently he's been playing very well this week. So it's interesting, isn't it? People are losing their marbles, um, but uh, I wouldn't. I'm not. I still have all my marbles. And, um, yeah, uh, Mickey Jordan is a bit of a surprise at right guard. But uh, I wouldn't expect him to start. The other interesting thing is Jackson Carmen, as you mentioned earlier, is listed at uh, uh, third on the depth chart behind Xavier Suofilo and uh, uh, at right guard. So that's kind of interesting as well. By all accounts, uh, Jackson's kind of flashed, but you know he's finding his feet and he's learning his trade. Um, what just quickly, Nathan? What do you think about? Uh, all that depth chart stuff. Like you said, I think I don't think you want to read into it too much. Is a lot of the time with the Bengals, they'll sort of put down stuff that. You know, the thing with Jordan as well, you got to remember, is is there's experience there. You know, he's been on the team for a couple of years now. He's got quite a few starts under his belt. Um, I hope he doesn't start. I'd like to think that 
Um, I mean, I would even prefer Xavier Suafilo in there, to be honest with you. I think he's got, you know, I think he, he didn't replay really too much last year, but he's got starting experience. But if Jordan's there on merit and he's played well, it's, it's sometimes very difficult, especially for fans, to gauge how well are the interior linemen playing. For all we know, Michael Jordan's had the off-season of his life. He's playing to a higher standard and he thoroughly deserves to be there. So I hope that's the case. Um, and I hope that Jackson Carmen sees his name third on the depth chart at right guard and... Um, like you mentioned, Dante Smith um, ahead of him at left guard, and he says, "I'm, you know, I'm going to p- push myself here and do what I can to pull my way up that depth chart." But I, yeah, definitely, like you said, I wouldn't worry about it too much yet. We will wait and see, and I hope Frank Pollock and the coaching staff know what they're doing. Absolutely right. Uh, we've chatted about uh, training camp. It's now, now time to talk to our special guest. And as promised, I'm delighted to say that Director of Strategy and Engagement, it is Elizabeth Blackburn. Elizabeth, welcome to Cincinnati. It's great to talk to you. Oh, Nathan, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I've always wanted to ask this question. Um, This is not like an episode of This Is Your Life. I'm not going to go over every bit of your life or anything like that. But I've been intrigued because you come from a really storied NFL uh, family you're you're obviously you don't need to be told this but let's just remind ourselves you your great grandfather was one of arguably the greatest NFL coach in history a real innovator um you know you come from a football family um did was working for the team and the club something that was always on your radar because I know that you went off and did you know you went to university and did your thing and gain your degrees and 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 whatever and uh, you worked elsewhere but was it always written in the tea leaves that you would come back to Cincinnati and work for the club it's a great question and something I get asked frequently um the short answer is yes but I'll you know, indulge the listeners if they're interested in a couple of minutes of how it ultimately came about. Because kind of like you mentioned, Paul, I grew up all around football. You know, I I come from a football family and football is everyone's biggest passion and and just what we talk about all the time. And, And literally, I was born during football season, went to my first football game when I was seven days old, growing up as a kid, while my classmates and friends would go off to summer camp, I would go down to Georgetown, Kentucky, and attend Bengals training camp practices. Like my my family, we moved and we lived in the Georgetown College dorms. And that was what, you know, growing up, I just was always around the team in a really fun and fortunate way. So um, that combined with the fact that I went to a really small school here in Cincinnati growing up and my classmates and even teachers sort of knew, you know, my family's connection to the Bengals at a very early age, I was asked all the time if I was going to go back and work for the team you know, it was just kind of on everybody else's mind, which inherently put it in my mind at a very young age as well. And, um, you know, I, I kind of contemplated it. And being, I think one of the most important pieces to me was twofold. Uh, a, that if I went back and worked for the Bengals and worked in my family business to do everything that I to make sure that I earned it and was good enough and added value to the team. Um, And and that really continues to be one of the biggest motivating forces for me, because I think most people might just assume, you know, I'm, I'm part of the family, you know, it's assumed and you just get it no matter what. And I even just to tell myself, I I like to challenge myself in as many ways as I can to say, look, if I were absolutely nobody, not related to anyone in my family, that I've worked as hard as I could, that I've put myself through as many tests and worked for the hardest companies that I applied to work for, and ultimately had sufficient experience to come and work for the Cincinnati Bengals and make 
the Bengals a great organization. So that underlies everything that I, that I try to do. And it really helped inform my path after high school, you know, through college and through other job opportunities that ultimately brought me back to Cincinnati because as I was away from Cincinnati um, in college, especially it was the first time that I missed a Bengals home game because I was in school and, you know, I was obviously watching on TV. um, But over the course of Dartmouth, I was literally just known on campus as this fanatical Bengals diehard. Um, Nobody knew who I was, who my family was. I would get into arguments defending Andy Dalton, that he was a, you know, Pro Bowl caliber quarterback and that the Bengals were going to be good this year. Um, And then over time through, even through my classwork, I ended up doing both of my major capstone projects about football and specifically about the Bengals. So I double majored in engineering and economics. And with both of those projects, one of them, I studied ticket sales, um, you know, pricing and the other, I built a, uh, an app that actually is very maybe fitting or interesting to UK listeners because it ended up being an app that never went into development. But if there's enough traction from the listenership here, maybe I can revisit that project that it was kind of a second screen experience for um, NFL viewers who weren't as familiar with the game to like simulcast and help show you what was going on, whether it was like what just happened, what's a first down or, you know, a penalty. And they didn't really they'd never heard of it before. Um, really geared at women and international fans to help the NFL grow their fan base and make it a more, uh, you know, a more familiar, lower the barriers to entry to becoming an NFL football fan. So at the end of college, I sort of proved to myself that I wanted to come home very badly and I wanted to work for the team at some point, but I was still committed to, um, you know, going and getting outside experience and and getting a job completely on my own. That led me to go and work in management consulting, um, spend a little bit of time at the NFL. And then from there, spend about two years in private equity, which were invaluable experiences that I really feel I'm still using and applying today with the kind of business foundation that that gave me. And, um, and the confidence that it gave me as well to come back to my job now here at the Bengals. So <laughs> probably a longer, longer winded answer than you were looking for. Maybe this is going to turn into story time of my life, but <laughs> hopefully something that's interesting for, for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. It is interesting because as I say, it's, it's, you have, You've come in there and been a, a tornado, basically, figuratively speaking, um, and and quite naturally, you from afar, Nathan and I are in PR and marketing and all the rest of it. So it's been quite interesting for Nathan and I to watch what you've been doing. Um, it's been very obvious that you've been really targeting the local fan base and trying to re-engage with those guys, get that stadium full again. Uh, you know, you've been involved in influencer marketing as well, uh, which has been kind of interesting and just trying to re-energize the, the fan base state side. But of course, for us, we're kind of thousands of miles away. And I'm interested, as I say, quite rightly, you've been really laser targeted on that local fan base uh, and around the, the US as well. Do you do you regard the Bengals as a global sports franchise and is this just the first step in your in your kind of uh, sequence of engagement and plans for the future yes I I absolutely hope that the Bengals are and become a strong global brand and honestly just specifically to marketing I take a lot of inspiration from successful global brands whether you want to say it's Apple or, um, or even in the sports world, I think it's really interesting with what some of the NBA teams are doing, finding, really focusing some of their, whether it's content or just, 
you know, resources on international markets. So this is uh, what everything you have seen, you know, that I have directly and indirectly been working on over the last about year and a half, that is just phase one. And hopefully we continue to grow and ramp up our efforts. Um, hopefully that at least the focus on content has been reaching across the pond. And, uh, and, and if you guys have thoughts on what would make the Bengals a stronger global brand, I would, I would, I don't know if you have comments or, 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 you know, DMs or something, but would love to hear that because um, to me, that is, that is a goal. And we want the Bengals to be, you know, perceived positively and, and just renowned all around the world. And it, it is interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, Emily can, uh, Emily Parker, who's, who's sitting in on this interview as well, can attest to this, you know, the, the, the London games, have been huge successes and that's, you know, that's really helped to grow the community. And you gave us a shout out on one of your mission statements, which was really appreciated. And we love doing what we're doing and being Bengals fans and getting the community together. Um, It does show you though, doesn't it, that there is a global fan base out there outside of, of Cincinnati, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, wherever it might be. And the States itself, it does show you that there is, room to engage those fans right absolutely and some of my favorite Bengals fan memories have been in totally random you know moments in life places and times in life and you just hear somebody yell who day yeah like like <laughs> la- um i was fortunate enough to go to the last london game and i spent a couple of days afterwards in europe with my parents and I think we were in Germany at the time and like I had a Bengals hat on and somebody just yelled who day. Yeah. Right. It's, it's amazing that we have this like rallying cry that is just a global, you know, welcoming message. It's like a secret language, isn't it? Between Bengals yes. fans, you know, um, one thing I'll pass over to Nathan in a second, but one thing that I, I really, you know, you came in, and you said, there's a drum in that corner. Give me the drum. I'm going to bang it. And you bang that drum uh, to amazing uh, extent, I think. But it's all about changing perception of the club, isn't it? The club has, has always had this image. I'm not quite sure why, but it always has. As what you know, We know what that image is. Um, it's always been labelled as a small market team in the States, which I think is slightly insulting. I think the... Um, intonation is that that's a bit of an insult isn't it but globally we don't take any notice of that kind of small market big market kind of stuff you know it doesn't care it doesn't matter to us it's we're we're Cincinnati Bengals fans we love the Bengals we love Cincinnati it doesn't matter how big or small the market but for base in America is it is it high on your list that you want to change that perception uh we always having a go at the national media and their perception of Bengals is this is this a nonsense uh viewpoint and is this something on your radar that you you want to change the perception of I'll answer it this way Paul coming back home last year enhancing the reputation and strength of the Bengals brand was top priority for me and I really think that a lot of what has created the historical reputation, if you will, has been a misunderstanding on a number of fronts. And I think I bring a unique perspective to help bridge the gap between fans and the organization. And, um, you know, I, I also know that as an organization, we value honesty, transparency, but sometimes we just haven't used the channels as well as we could have to, to help tell the, what I would describe as the true story um, of what the Cincinnati Bengals organization is and, and, and wants to be. And so the combination of that reputation being at the forefront and us constantly wanting to just make it better and better and us be a brand that people want to associate with um, 
that will continue to drive us. It'll continue to drive the content that we put out and, and just what we say and do to engage with our fans. And then the second point specifically about the small market kind of um, label or description market size is and was um, kind of just a data point back when TV was essentially the only way to consume games. Um, well, and really even before that, it was either that you listened to the game on the radio or you went to the game. And um, now <laughs> just with where content, social media, and frankly, just the global economy has gone, market size is I think becoming less and less of a focal point. And really, to me, I believe that if we create a brand and an excellent product, it, it won't matter where people are, you'll just want to be a part of it. And then it's our job to figure out any number of ways for fans to connect with the team. I think that's what we do. We, we shout as loud and as proudly as possible. And we found that that's kind of worked really. And always coming up with what I like to think, innovative stuff, stuff that other fan groups just don't do, won't do, can't, aren't able to do. And it's been great to see the response. And I'm sure you're delighted with the response as well. But Nathan, it's your turn. I'm going to have some a cup, my cup of tea. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, Elizabeth, first of all. We really, really appreciate it. Um, my first question just relates to the game day experience. So for fans that maybe from the UK haven't come over, um, I know you've done a load of work on that for the upcoming season. And we really want to make sure that the fans packing out Paul Brown Stadium and giving us that massive advantage so just talk to us a bit about the upcoming season what you've got planned and if fans are coming over from the UK um, what can they expect absolutely and I'll, I'll also start with the fact that I was able to go over to London for a London game the British hospitality and pub scene is unbelievable you guys are wonderful hosts and to any and all of you who are able to come over to Cincinnati for a game I hope that the Bengals and the city of Cincinnati and just the entire Midwest show you our Midwestern hospitality and friendliness that you guys were so generous and welcoming with when uh, so many, I mean, thousands and thousands of Bengals fans went over for the London game mm -hmm. and showed us a really fun time. And that is exactly what we want Bengals games to be like here at Paul Brown Stadium is an electric, fun energizing experience and we know coming out of covid there is a higher expectation of what we need to deliver to make it worthwhile for our fans to come out of their homes and get off of their couches but also i'm hearing and even i personally felt the increased desire to reconnect in person that was just so challenging for so many people over the last year, year and a half. And I think football in particular is positioned to be that unifying force and center of gravity to get communities back together in person in positive, vibrant ways. And that just really fires me up and makes me so excited for games this fall. So in order to really Make, make it, uh, you know, launch with a bang, if you will, coming out of COVID-19 for the 2021 season. We are doing, we're introducing several new traditions. One that I have to say I'm most excited about is what we're calling the ruler of the jungle ceremony, which will, which will be new this year. And it is meant to kind of elevate and enhance our Hootay chant. And so pre-kickoff every home game, we will select a ruler of the jungle and that person will come. We've built a stage with our big throne and there will be like people, you know, fanning them with jungle leaves and they're going to lead the entire stadium in a, in the Hude chant right before kickoff so that the whole building is just like rocking. The team can feed off of that energy um, it's actually funny. I was out at practice yesterday at training camp 
and Coach Duffner, Mark Duffner, who is, he's amazing. He's been with the team for a long time on and off. Um, and he is just like an energy giver. He came up to me with a, like basically that exact idea. And I was like, Coach Duff, you're never going to believe this. We're doing that. And he was just like so fired up about it. He's like, let's go. Because um, it's kind of become a thing that some other uh, stadiums, even in other sports, do. And it just like sets the tone and the bar so high and makes the rest of the game fun and energetic and engaging with the fans. So um, that's one I'm particularly excited about. We're adding fireworks. We never had, um, we, we never concretely had a like clear firework tradition. We hope to score tons and tons of touchdowns this year with Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Joe Mixon and our whole crew of like young, exciting offensive weapons. So we'll be shooting off fireworks uh, after touchdowns. That's another just concrete change that will add energy to the building. I could go on and on, but those are probably the two that I'm most looking forward to. It sounds absolutely fantastic. And it leads nicely into my next question. So you've worked on a number of initiatives already, obviously the new uniforms, the ring of honor, um, all these game day experience ideas that you're talking about, which one in particular has been um, the most exciting project to work on for you? I there's no way I can pick one because um, I knew that the new uniform project was underway back when I was deciding whether to move back to Cincinnati and start working for the team. And most of our listeners will know we hadn't changed our uniforms in 17 years. And that was something I was specifically excited about and um, looking forward to having the opportunity to work on the new uniforms. Also the launch of how we rolled out the new uniforms in COVID times, but the way we did it, it was so fun and so cool and something I will always remember so fondly because ultimately what we did for, you know, kind of our, our biggest and most special sweet holders, sponsors, and a couple of handpicked fans and season ticket members was we brought them in in groups of four people. So like a private little pod, we had set up these kind of three stations, almost like a walkthrough experience where they came into the first room. It was a workshop. It was like this immersive space. I was there. I, I met with every single group. I think I talked to over 50 groups in two days nonstop. I lost my voice terribly after this, but it was so neat. I walked them through the design process and the uniform kind of journey and then unveiled the new uniforms to them two days before we actually showed it to the public. So it was like this really special preview. And then they got to take pictures on a couple of different sets that were the same sets as our players took their uniform pictures on just like days before. Um, so that was, it was unique. It was so fun. Uh, it was a great way to get to meet some of the fans and, and our partners face to face. And then the Ring of Honor in and of itself, totally different project, massive project, kind of a once in a team history event. I couldn't be happier to be working on that and rolling that out this year. And then the, the new game day traditions as well. And like, bringing fans back together out of a global pandemic. Um, at this point right now, I am, my energy and excitement for the Minnesota home game and seeing and feeling our fans, feeling a full building, Joe Burrow, T Higgins, our whole rookie class last year, never got to feel that our rookies this year. Yeah. They've never felt what a full NFL stadium experience is like. And I want to do everything I can to put the, you know, Bengals fans, Day Nation's best foot forward and just blow the team away with the level of support and energy that I hope they feel on the field. That sounds amazing. You're hyping me up right now. But just just last question before you go, we've got to talk some football. Obviously, the season's now closer than ever. What are your expectations for the team coming up? Is there any players in particular you think we should watch out for in the upcoming season? And ultimately, how do you think we're going to do? Well, I'm going to just borrow right out of CJ Uzoma's playbook right now and, and share his excitement. And if the listeners haven't seen CJ Uzoma's press conference or the clip that 
Um, CJ kind of hyped up our fans two weekends ago. We had an open practice and like over 20,000 fans came. CJ was just, if I'm hyping you up, Nathan, go listen to CJ's. You're going to like run through a wall. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I, I think we have high expectations uh, that there's just no way about it. Like we have a really talented roster. We've invested a lot on defense and the free agents that we brought in this year and last year continue to look good. They've offered, I think, a pleasant surprise, like off the field and in the locker room. And the energy that I'm feeling from defense out at practice over the last week and a half is electric. It's awesome. And then on offense, you look at Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Our, I mean, our our receiving room is elite. Joe Joe Mixon's coming back. You've we've got a new offensive line coach in Frank Pollock who people have such high regard for and trust in. I mean, there's a lot to get excited about and we've got to, we've got to put it together, but I I think we've got really good pieces in place that make people ultimately excited about the team at its core. And what I'm trying to do is just put in as many ancillary things into place to further that excitement level so that our fans are demonstrating it in a way that the players know, see, and feel. Um, Elizabeth, just before we let you go, I just want to say thank you for lighting a fire under you and Emily and the team. You've really lit a fire underneath this fan base. And it's not surprising because I think we know as fans that you know, that that passion, that excitement is there. Has it surprised you, the response to your initiatives uh, that you've got at all? I would say no, because I know Bengals fans are the most passionate, amazing group of fans there are. And I just want to say thank you to everybody listening, to all of the Bengals fans out there on Twitter or or who even somehow pick up any of this message secondarily because I'm not surprised and I just continue to have high hopes and expectations from Bengals fans. They're great. They're amazing. Keep them coming. And let's let's do this. Absolutely. And we will be banging the drum. Uh, you better believe it. Um, this side of the uh, this side of the pond. Elizabeth, thank you so much for spending the time with us. I know that you're a really busy uh, lady, so thank you so much. And uh, thanks for everything that you've done. And we can't wait until September. Thank you guys for having me on. Who did everybody internationally? And if you ever do make it to a game at Paul Brown Stadium, let us know. And uh, also shout out to our entire team, because while I've gotten some praise, we've got the most amazing content team, sales team, leadership team. And that's, that's what makes this work. And that's what makes the 2021 season exciting. So thank you. Well, there we go. That was uh, Elizabeth Blackburn on little old Cincinnati. And we can't thank uh, Emily in the PR department. And of course, Elizabeth. And as she rightly said, her entire team, her social team, her marketing team and the leadership team for all they've done in really uh, hyping up this fan base. And uh, any key takeaways from that, Nathan? I think it's the energy levels there are just infectious, aren't they? And you can tell the passion and the dedication to the job. And I think the Bengals in the past, that has been a criticism, has been... um, the relationship with the fans potentially and are they doing enough and obviously the team hasn't been fantastic for the last couple of years and I think miraculously she's done so much positive work to build that bridge through reaching out to fans all these fantastic initiatives with the uniforms the game day experiences she's alluding to and crucially I think and I think obviously there's so much value there is the work that they've done on social media yeah, um, the Bengal yeah. social media team in the past was okay, but I think it lacked behind some of the other teams. And I think the amount of work they've done on that, the video content, um, the engagement, the humor, all of it, I think has hyped people up. And I'm not sure I've ever seen uh, Bengals Twitter so positive, in good spirits, almost um, slightly over the top in terms of, you know, you think we're going to make a big Super Bowl run this year. And in fact, it, we might just be a sort of middle of the pack side. But I think that speaks as a testament to what the work that she's done. And um, yeah, it's. It, very, very impressive. 
Yeah, I've always felt that because you get, you know, during our watch parties, we kind of saw that um, in um, in Cincinnati during the Super Bowl runs, that stadium was full. The 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 the, the atmosphere was electric, and it was just about tapping back into that. Um, well, even back in '05 and stuff, you yeah, watch some of those yeah, old yeah. games like you've watched on the watch, but you don't even have to go back that far. Like, well, back when Carson Palmer was swinging it around, and Andy Dalton obviously was, even when he was having some good years, the Paul Brown Stadium is absolutely electric. I mean, I remember that game against the Broncos. Drake Kirkpatrick picks off Peyton Manning on, I think it was a Thursday night game. It's certainly mm. prime time. That place was absolutely going bizarre, like completely berserk. You mm. know, I, I, I don't think it'll take much. Um, what with the work Elizabeth's doing, and the on, you know, if, they, if we start piecing together some wins, it's going to be a, a difficult place to come. Absolutely, huge thanks to Elizabeth there. I hope you enjoyed that. It's great to to hear that she does uh, view the Bengals as a global sports franchise, as she should, and as they should. You know, uh, we're all here. Germany's got loads of fans. Mexico's got loads of fans. Sweden, Finland, France, Italy, Argentina, Brazil has emerged now. Um, we're all out there, so it's great that uh, Elizabeth acknowledges that and she's got plans for the future. Uh, watch this space, I guess. Right, let's get to our correspondence, shall we? Uh, thank you so much uh, to everyone who's uh, sent a message and said hello. It's nice to be back and I say that we are going to be with you pretty much every week now until season's end, the bitter end. Hopefully we'll be going into January. How about that? Um few people tipping the Bengals to surprise uh, a lot of people but we'll see we'll see uh, let's start off with Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Bears 688 are we confident with what you have seen at training camp or is it too early to gauge Stu I think we just uh, talked about that so yeah a tiny bit worried I think we're only human if we're a tiny bit worried but it is early and uh, I've been very buoyed by the t- I've been very Tyler Boyd <laughs> um um, with the defensive performance and people like it's great to see CJ Uzama back. Joe Mixon apparently has been sparkling during this early um, training camp portion. So that, I think you know th- things are settling down, and, and I think uh, let's see how preseason goes, and uh, we'll 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 answer this question nearer to, to week one. I think it's been one of the most unusual seasons in terms of knowing what to make of the Bengals. can't remember looking at a team and being sure of what I think of them. In the past, there's been seasons where I've thought, God, this team's going to be fantastic. We're going to be real playoff contenders. I really fancy us. And there's been other seasons where I've thought, oh, you know, I'm really not too sure about the team, a bit concerned. I'm finding it hard to judge the team this year. You've obviously mm. got Burrow coming back. You've got... Um, obviously, someone like Mar Chase coming in, new players that have come onto the team the last couple of years, people coming back from injury. Um, obviously, it's still completely un- what we've really got in some of Zach Taylor. You know, has he just been unlucky with injuries? And obviously, a lot of transition from older players of the Marvin Lewis era. Um, or is he actually not the coach that we wanted him to be or thought he was? You know, so I, I, for me, it's really hard mm. to look at this team. I mean, you know, if it all went to plan and some of these guys like Larry Ogunjobi, DJ Reader, Hendrickson, Logan Wilson, they all step up and play well, that defense could be excellent. I mean, you only have to look at the fabulous five as they're now known, and that could be fantastic as well. So there's a lot. It really is a very wide window, I think, as to how we could perform this year. Um, I don't think it's clear and obvious really where we sit at the moment. Very much so. It's exciting, though, I think. That that breeds excitement as well as slight nervousness, I think. Dom at Bumbling Bengal. Um, hi, lads. How are you doing? Who do you think will replace the four captains we lost this off-season? In my opinion, it will be Hubbard and Bates on defence and two of Boyd, Mixon, Uzama, Hopkins and Reef on offence. There are so many options on that side of the ball. Cheers, guys. Cheers to you, Dom. I think you've nailed it, mate. I think uh, Hubbard and Bates are pretty reliable um, captains and leaders on that side of the ball. Maybe DJ Reader, maybe even Logan Wilson. Yeah. He's been given the the uh, radio headset by all accounts, Logan Wilson, so they obviously trust him. Yeah, I definitely go. Uh, think Hopkins and Reef would be good. Hopkins a good shout. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. We'll, have to well surely Joe time. Boy wouldn't he be he's surely be captain, uh, Yeah, he? maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the deal is with quarterbacks and captains and whatnot, but um 
Anyway, Martin at Dorset Bengal. Those Hall of Fame jackets look gross anyway. Disgust. Yeah, they're rubbish. We don't want any players in the Hall of Fame anyway. <laughs> eh? Their jackets are rubbish. What I would like to see, Sorry. if you look at it, they look like a dirty, rusty yellow, basically, don't they? It looks as though you haven't drank any water for a long time and kind of gone for a, <laughs> gone for a wee, and that's the colour that they are. A um, like Burton's basic sail suit, you know, exactly. lasting oversized, yeah, bit it, of polyester in it. Exactly. I'd like to see sequins on that jacket, not to denigrate the whole process or the institution, but I would like them to have some gold sequins on that jacket. I like think. a Ric Flair jacket. There you go. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Um <laughs> So, yeah, but what I want more than anything, of course, I would like Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, and Willie Anderson and Isaac Curtis and perhaps even Lamar Parrish in the Hall of Fame as quick as possible. I think it doesn't matter what jacket they wear. They can wear uh, the worst uh, puffer jacket from Tesco uh, own brand. I don't care. Um, they, uh, they can wear what they want. I just want those players. I want our players in the Hall of Fame. Um, Aurelius FC at Aurelius FC. Um, when are you coming to the States? Well, Aurelius, I think a few people were tempted to come, but I think it might be 2022 now with all the COVIDness going still around, the Delta variant kick on, kicking off in the States, the travel restrictions, and all that kind of stuff. I think, um, I know quite a few people have called off their trip this year or at least postponed it till next year. So, uh, get ready for a deluge of Brits. Uh, next year in 2022. Uh, Northern Bengal at Bengal Stewart. As a lifelong Canadian Bengal fan and loyal Natta listener, my question is, how important is it for the Bengals to have a great game on national television Thursday in September against the Jacks? So many storylines, but to me this game is huge. Yeah, not least because it's the Ring of Honor game as well. So you get to see um, Anthony Munoz and Ken Anderson and no doubt Ken Riley the second at PBS to uh, accept their uh, inauguration. Um, but yeah, it's a great you know, Marvin teams under Marvin always struggled in prime time, didn't they? So this this will be a great marker against a team with a flash new quarterback, some good players. Marvin Jones returning to PBS. The Jags are going to be better than last year, no doubt. Urban Meyer is the coach. You know, there's a lot of interest around this game. Uh, and it would be great if they, you know if they could pull out that win and say, "Look, and say to the nation, we are the Bengals, and we're not rubbish." It's a really good question, actually, because I think in the UK, especially, we don't necessarily take into account what a big deal it is to be on national TV. For us, it just means that we have to stay up until half one in the morning and watch the game, and we're going to be knackered the next morning for work. But it's a big thing in the US because obviously that means if you're in any sports bar or you're you know, out and about, the game's on the TV, you obviously get so many more eyeballs on the team. And obviously early on in the season, uh, two franchises that to most people in the US won't necessarily be marquee names. But obviously with Lawrence and Burrow, that really does um, heighten the excitement there. So it's a good question. And I, I really think the Bengals, not that they're going to play any differently um, or, you know, put an extra effort because it is on national TV. But, God, wouldn't you like them to have a good game, play well, an exciting match, and then come out on top? Because, like you said, there's been a lot of struggles on primetime um, in the past, and that's something that we really want to shake off and move forward and forget those struggles um, of former days. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for being a loyal Natter listener, uh, Stuart. Thank you very much. Um, Sam Reeve at Johnny Prong. Uh, Solid handle. Hey, guys. Despite concerns about the offensive line, good noises coming out of training camp about Deontay Smith. Thoughts he could be a steal in the fourth round? Also, Jolton Joe bouncing around camp and feel he's going to have a major impact this year. I think, as we said earlier, Sam, you know, uh, the reports about Joe Mixon coming out of camp are nothing short of sparkling. So, yeah, let's hope he can first of all stay uh, healthy. And then hopefully the offensive line can do enough to help him out. And he could be back up there amongst the AFC rushing leaders again, you know. As for Deontay Smith, we'll see. He's, you know, he's got a boost with the depth chart today. Um, I'm eager to see him in action. So, yeah, I mean, time will tell. But let's hope they do, they have got a steal in the fourth, you know. And that's going to be great from a pre-season perspective. As you see some of these guys, obviously last year pre-season, very difficult to see what we had people like. 
Kiva Denergy and some other guys like that that have got more playing time had there been a preseason. So, Dante Smith, Jack, of them, you know, you can't hide behind the the gates of Paul Brown Stadium. You're going to be on TV. All those fans are going to be scrutinising your every move with pro football focus and all the rest of them. So it will be very interesting. Indeed it will. Of course, a reminder that the Buccaneers game, I believe, is 7.30 Eastern on Saturday night. So if you want to stay up Sunday morning, what would that be? That would be about half one hour time. Um, but the good news is we will be back with... Good morning, Bengals, on Sunday morning, not so early this time, maybe about 9 or 10, so watch our social feeds for that with some instant react. well, not instant, but uh, semi-instant reaction. That's what we specialise in. Not instant reaction, that's what we're known for, but we're into slow, semi-instant reaction, and you'll get lots of that on Good Morning Bengals. We'll be back, Nathan and I, of course, will be back next week uh, on Monday. I should also wish... Um, uh, Mike Smith, founder of Bengals UK, no less. He's gone in for an operation, so I uh, hope your elbow is all fixed up, uh, Mike. And, you know, Nathan and I's services will be available to come and rush you if you need to prove your fitness at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, we could get Mike down. Well, I don't know, Mike. Have you seen his beard at the moment? It's quite fierce, uh, you know. Um, uh, many thanks to Elizabeth Blackburn. And what a guest that is, Um It'd be so cool for her to address... No, sorry, that, that sound, makes sounds like the Queen, but, you know, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> um, still quite You've got, you got a sharp tongue tonight, son, haven't you? I have, I have. Um, but, no, seriously, Elizabeth was fantastic. And the work her and her team are doing is equally as fantastic. They're really lighting a fire under the Bengals' collective bottoms, I think. And, uh, uh, and she's managed to get us all excited and... Uniforms, Ring of Honor, you know, enhanced game day experiences and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it was great to hear from her. So many thanks to Elizabeth for spending some time with us. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, oh, I should also mention we've got some other things coming up in the autumn, which should be cool. We'll Obviously, we'll be back with our online tailgates. Remember, that we're the first fan group in the world to do an online tailgate. So they'll be back this autumn, hopefully a bit enhanced Lots of music and food and beer and talking nonsense. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, we've got some meetup plans coming up in the autumn. We're sort of ironing out some dates and times for uh, for those. So stay tuned. So lots of exciting things happening. But on a on a day to day basis, oh, I should also mention. I'm just going to do this. Um, just start talking and then say, I should also mention, that could be my new catchphrase. What do you think, Nathan? I don't know. You're a role today, son, so you keep yourself going. All right. You just <laughs> I haven't had any coffee or anything. I'm just excited to be here. Um, our friend Duncan Price, dastardly Duncan, is... Solid handle. Exactly. He's starting uh, a Bengals UK fanzine. You know those little fanzines that you used to get when you went into kind of football grounds those independent uh, fanzines that kind of were sold for kind of 50p outside grounds and uh, we're going to do one we're going to do one for the bengals and for uk uh, bengals fans so duncan is handling all that and um if you want to get in touch with submissions he's open to all sorts of things funny things serious things poems photography you name it. Whatever you think would be good in a fanzine, Duncan is handling that. If you've got any ideas or want to contribute, contact him at Dastardly Duncan. And uh, uh, we're hoping to get one out for the start of the season. Right, I think I am done now, Nathan. Sorry, mate. Um, I was on a tear there, wasn't I? Um, you can, of course, get us on a daily basis at Hooday underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook. Check out our revamped, well, not really revamped, it's just that I'm finding the time now to actually post some videos to YouTube. So Bengals UK on YouTube. But until next week, we have, we will actually be talking about an actual football game. How does that sound, Nathan? Oh, I'm excited for that, son. There's only so much you can talk about theories and what-ifs and how, how do you rate this person and that. So I'm excited to talk some real football with you, my friend. Absolutely. Can't wait. Until that moment, dear friends... It's a who day from me. 
and a hooday from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.